0: Good morning. Did you know that the most important thing about you is that God loves you? He loved you to the cross and back. And part of His great love is that He gives you a life that matters. You never have to wonder, do I matter? Do I count? You are number one in God's book. And He gives you opportunities every day to live a life beyond yourself. i like to call it a legacy life. This is Sue Donaldson. As you listen today, ask God, show me how to spend today investing in people and your word, because both last forever. There's no better way to live. Today, I'm so happy to introduce you to my friend, my real friend. I actually have met her in real life because she lives on the Central Coast, uh, Jillian Woods. Uh, Jillian is a lovely uh, woman of God, and she's a writer and um, a speaker she calls herself an abuse survivor and she's founder of Be Bold Live Free uh, and she's currently writing a memoir is that correct Jillian?
1: Uh, I have written a memoir it's unpublished okay and I'm writing uh, a second book
0: a second book okay maybe we can get into that a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself your family and your ministry
1: okay I'm trying to get rid of Sarah, now I can see you. Okay. Uh, I have three wonderful adult children, and my son and his family, uh, wife and five children, live in Texas. Mm. I have a daughter that lives here on the Central Coast, and she has t- two children, uh, both in college. And then I have a son who lives in the Central Valley, and he's a youth pastor. Oh, so that's it's so great. Big- They're all a big blessing in my life. Uh, You help
0: women affected by abuse in close relationships. That's a quote I got off your website, which is a great website, by the way. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you find these people or do they find you?
1: Normally, uh, they find me. Uh, I do have my website and uh, sometimes it's through email or social media, Mm. but mostly it's through happenstance, word of mouth, or hmm. uh, they, uh, I have had colleagues, uh, people in, um, that are affiliated with my local church who are in recovery ministry uh, may refer to me. Hmm. Uh, it's just kind of random at this point. I've done a lot of mentoring and I also have begun to do coaching.
0: Hmm. That's so great. Uh, how important is it for you to be vulnerable when you're sharing with other women? Is there a restraint ever or a sense at times that this is not the right person or even the right crowd if you're speaking as to far, how much you share from your own personal story? Because we all know that when we're vulnerable, that gives people permission to be vulnerable themselves. And that's, you know, we don't necessarily need it at this point because you've been, you know, I mean, you, not that we can't ever learn from God, but the idea the idea is that you are in a position now to be teaching other women to prevent some of the situations that you've been yes. through. Um, so going back to my question, is there a restraint or a sense at times that this is not the right person for me to share everything about my life?
1: Yes. And that is not, uh, the norm, uh, in my experience, but it does happen. There are some people who, uh, perhaps just want to find out about uh, gritty details and maybe they don't really have an experience that relates. Uh. Uh, And so some people are voyeuristic. Oh dear. And, but like I said, that's not the norm, Mm -hmm. but they're pretty easy to recognize pretty soon, pretty early in the game. Mm. Uh, It's not a game of course, but I have only had to like back away from that kind of situation twice. Normally uh, the women that I come in contact with are sincerely wanting to be helped. Mm. Uh, And with those women, I think that transparency and vulnerability is key. I have been where they are. Mm. I have experienced uh, intimate partner abuse, domestic violence. I have experienced financial abuse, spiritual abuse, and uh, psychological and emotional abuse throughout my lifetime. I don't consider myself to be a victim. I am a survivor, hmm. and I am blessed by God. But I just bring that up to say that Almost with everyone that has been referred to me or everyone that I happen to run into who would like to uh, invite me to come alongside I have been in some respect where they are mm. and I can identify and understand and so if someone says to me this is just too embarrassing or I'm so ashamed mm. and I can say what what is the thing that is bothering you why why do you feel that way you don't have to tell me the details just tell me what it is. Mm. And then I can say, wow, I remember when I was in that situation.
0: Mm.
1: And I think that we gravitate to people who we know that they understand because they've been there. Uh it's like, you know, when when someone has a tragic loss and and you say, Oh, I know how you must feel, and they're looking at you like
0: you. Really? Do not, yeah, you do not know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's, and it's hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. And one of my friends just shared recently uh, on social media, cautioning people not to say, hang in there. And that was such a beautiful mm-hmm. piece of advice and, and very well suggested and very lovingly written. But we need to hear that advice. I remember I was going through a very painful time when the father of my three children and I were going through a divorce. And it was uh, probably the most painful experience of my life up to that point in my life. And my father-in-law called. And I had always thought I was a very good daughter-in-law. And I thought that he would be calling out of concern. Well, he wasn't. And his last sentence to me was, hang in there, babe.
0: Oh dear. And it
1: was so difficult. Uh, and I loved this man. I still do. He's no longer with us, but it was just a not a good moment for him, and a, and a very hurtful moment for me. Mm-hmm. But I know he wouldn't have intentionally inflicted that kind of hurt. He was just, you know, being off the cuff mm-hmm. and insensitive at that moment.
0: Yeah, people and, are. People don't know what to say, so then they say right. these stupid things. As my brother likes to say about those fr- friends of Job that they were better friends before they opened their mouths, (laughs) (laughs) which I can be the same Uh, problem now on your website, um, which I love by the way, uh, elaborate on this statement. It's personal. How does, how does a woman transition from being beside the point to becoming the very point of her own life? What do you mean by that?
1: Well, that goes way back in my own personal life. Uh, I think that we can be in situations in our nuclear family or in uh, even a work relationship or particularly in marriage where we can feel like we are beside the point, Hmm. where we can feel unseen, unheard, and powerless. And I definitely uh, went through some of that as a child, and uh, I did feel powerless, and of course, as a child, you are powerless. Right. But when you when you develop coping mechanisms and survival mechanisms uh, as a child, sometimes they stay with you, and you take that with you into future relationships. Right. I would have never dreamed of talking back to my mother. Well, then when I was older and I got a job, and maybe I was mistreated, uh, I wouldn't have dared talk back to my supervisor or the owner or whoever. And then when I was even a little bit older, and I got married, uh, I, you know, I gravitated to people that I knew how to function around. And so, when I married, I was a a person who was domineering, manipulative, uh, but I didn't recognize those things. I was used to that. It was my normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know that's kind of trite to say, because people say, well, that's my normal, but that is what I was used to. That's what I had grown up in and how I had been uh, kind of groomed. And so it took me many years and more than one heartbreak to finally realize I do have a voice. Mm. God would want me to have a voice. He gave me a voice. And we don't have to, uh, worry about competing with a partner or a good friend or a colleague,
0: mm-hmm. but we,
1: we do need to learn that we are to be respected as an individual mm-hmm. and that's what God wants for us. And Let me ask you this. This way. is
0: uh, a, a question that's leading into, I mean, from what you just said, um, When is it just a a good man in general um, who is just used to ignoring you because you have, I don't mean you personally, but we let him do that for so long. And then we sort of wake up and realize, hey, my voice counts. And I don't mean just my literal voice. Um, When is it just a good man saying, oh, I need to train my husband to treat me a little better or whatever it is, your boss Um, to being toxic abuse. I mean, where does the line cross over? There might be someone listening today go, wait, I don't like it. The fact that my husband always gets to go to where he wants to go for dinner instead of me. And instead of, is that a sign of toxic abuse or has he gone too far? I mean, I don't know if you can even answer that question.
1: Well, there are a lot of signals uh, when you're dealing with a toxic toxic individual. Uh, And then- (laughs) You can graduate from someone who is toxic uh, and take that a step further to abusive. Mm. Uh, toxic people can be uh, bossy, controlling, uh, overbearing. Uh, they they may not ever want to admit that they're wrong. Uh, they might be a little manipulative, uh, but if they're, uh, if they're just a, you know, a regular, let's, I don't mean to be ragging on men, but let's you say, he's a regular guy and his mother spoiled him, mm. you know, that could be what you're dealing with. Right. And then as a wife, you have to do some retraining, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, but in a, in a godly wife way. Uh, but, uh, and that's what I used to think when I was uh, married to the father of my children and. I hope he doesn't listen to this, but uh, (laughs) I thought I could change him. Hmm. Uh, But back in the day, all those years ago, he had some other issues and he was toxic. And uh, I didn't stand up to him like I should have. Hmm. Uh, And I think that God tells us as wise to have uh, in his word to have a gentle and quiet spirit. But he also doesn't want us to be trampled on, uh, and put down or disregarded or demeaned. And when those things are happening, that's not okay.
0: Right. And that's part of the abuse. Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, that God uses our path and pain to help others because that's what you do. Um, when did you know it was time to start telling your story for the sake of helping others in the body of Christ or even non-believers who are suffering abuse? Was there a particular uh, month or year or was it gradual or what?
1: It was really rather uh, particular. Oh. I was uh, <coughs> Excuse me. just coming out of a very uh, violent marriage and returned to uh, the church I had been going to uh, for some time, and I hadn't been there regularly because of my marriage situation. And when I did leave this man, I went to the church, and the first thing I did was I went to an evening women's Bible study. Uh, It happened to be in the fall, so that was good timing. And I joined this women's Bible study group, and that was 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm still in the same group at the same table in that Bible study. Oh. Is this a new life? Yes. Wonderful. So God just led me there, obviously. And he led me to uh, the woman who was the table leader is my best friend
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and has been for many years. Uh, and as I shared bits of my story very guardedly with this group, uh I just, I began to feel, over the months, I began to feel accepted, I began to feel loved, and I began to feel safe with these women, and I knew that what I shared with them wouldn't go any farther. I knew that in my heart. God gave me that assurance, and uh, I still didn't want them to know about my past. Uh, they knew I had been married before this most recent husband. And that I had been divorced from the father of my children, and that I was now going through another divorce, they didn't know that there were two more divorces in between those two marriages. Hmm. And I didn't want them to know. Of course not. Uh, I, I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment about that. And uh, so as, as time went on, and um, my best friend and I started sharing more and more, and she knew I was journaling, and she knew I was writing, and I wanted, to, I wanted to write, but I didn't have any direction about that. I just felt that urge. And I loved journaling because God was showing me so much and teaching me so much hmm. through journaling. And I was getting a lot of reference books uh, about abuse and starting to admit to myself what had been going on in my life, which hmm. I had never been willing to do to this hmm. point. Wow. So then one day my friend and I were having this conversation and she said, oh my gosh, you know, my mother, uh, she lives in Florida and oh my gosh, she's been, she was married five times. Hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh really? (laughs) And then I went away and I thought about that and prayed about it. And I said, God, thank you for allowing her to tell me that because I know she won't judge me if I tell her the truth about Mm -hmm. my past Mm -hmm. so that was a real breaking of a barrier for me and then that same friend uh, I was telling my our bible study group about this conference I wanted to go to in Virginia that was uh, a Wilberforce conference and it's about making your city better and I wanted to go and I was all excited about it and trying to save every dime so I could go and My friend uh, sent me an email and she said, I want you to look at this other conference and maybe you could consider this might be good too. And she meant instead of, Mm -hmm. but she's very tactful. (laughs) Well, the other conference was Lisa Turkhurst She Speaks Conference in North Carolina. And uh, after I got finished researching and reading all about that conference, I just was like on fire. I just knew that is where I belong. That is where I need to go because it was a conference on speaking and writing. And I knew Lisa through her books and I got so excited about that. And so I changed my plan (laughs) and my uh, older son flies a lot and I was telling him about it. And he said, I have, so many points i can do your airline and your hotel wow you plan to go don't worry about it
0: isn't that wonderful
1: so at she speaks is where god really spoke to me and uh it was so overwhelming sue there were 600 women there and uh when we went in uh to the conference room before a meal and we had worship time in the morning before breakfast or in the evening and after dinner. Mm. It was just transporting. Mm. And and what year was that? That was in 2013.
0: Okay, because I went in 2016. And of course, it would have been would have been fun if we met then. I met uh, in some women maybe so under the oppression of abuse that they don't even know that they're being abused. Because I think that's part of your story, too, that you didn't yes, know. Yes, it is. And right. that's why it's easy to choose the same situation, perhaps. Can you share some questions that a woman who's listening today can ask um, themselves? Or maybe they have a friend who they think is being abused, but that friend uh, won't admit it or doesn't really see it, like can't see the forest for the trees type of thing. Uh, to help them with an objective perspective, are there a couple questions that they could ask themselves or a friend?
1: Well, I think we should ask ourselves uh, whether we feel like we have freedom to speak, mm-hmm. and if we do dare to speak in a situation where it would be uh, where we're in a situation where we might be afraid to speak if we're not going to be in agreement with the other person who, if they are the oppressor slash abuser. Uh, There's a lot of fear involved. There's a lot of, you know, holding back when we're in that kind of relationship. So they should ask themselves, what do you think would happen if you confronted this person? Mm. And their answer will tell them a lot. If they're afraid of the reaction, if they're afraid of uh, that they will be punished either by shunning Or uh, financially, or being uh, restricted from going to a Bible study or going out to lunch with a friend. Uh, There are ways that that can can be done uh, where we're sabotaged and things that we would like to do. If those types of things are going on, that's abuse.
0: Yeah, besides just being hit. You know, I always think of abuse as a physical abuse, but you just named about five or six other things. How about if we know someone who needs to escape from such a relationship, what's the best way to approach that friend or to help them, that relative?
1: Uh, Well, you have to be uh, sensitive and you have to be tactful. I have found, and I was like this, if someone, I had two people, Sue, come to me, over the years before I was divorced from the father of my children and there were two different women and they said gosh I was in this other city and I saw your husband and they would tell me something that was inappropriate Mm -hmm. and I would be offended Oh,
0: so you were supporting him Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. that couldn't have been him you must be wrong oh boy Uh, That type of thing. And then another woman said, uh, and she knew me and my husband well, and I knew her husband. And she said, uh, you need to know that. And she told me a situation. And again, I took offense and I thought she can't be right. She's misunderstood. And how dare she Hmm. talk about my husband like that to me? And that was part of the defense mechanism that I grew up with. If something was too painful, I put it in a box, put it away, and refused to open it.
0: So what can you do to help someone who's like you were to to open their eyes?
1: I'll I'll say, uh, start spending time, ask questions. Well, um, I noticed that you didn't come to this event, or I noticed that you seem like you're down... And you seem like that quite a bit. Is there something I can do to help? Or can you tell me what's bothering you? Uh, Just those kinds of subtle things. Uh, Just be there. It's kind of like when someone is going through grief. Oftentimes, if you're just willing to be there Mm. and not say too much, uh, it's a big, huge trust factor. You really have had to earn the right. You have to be a close friend or or close family member who Mm -hmm. has earned the trust and the right to speak. I think that's foremost. Mm -hmm. And then to gently suggest, I was reading this book, and I thought maybe it would help you. I'm not saying that I know what's going on.
0: Oh, that's a good way to say it.
1: Uh, And you might put a cute little cloth cover over the book if it's something that uh, might not be acceptable in her home. Uh, it just it takes a lot of forethought, and we need to be aware that she might be in a dangerous situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And definitely, uh, sh- uh, she feels ashamed. Yes. Too. Um, you have some resources, uh, at least two, on your website. Can you explain those to us? Because I want to make sure that anyone listening can get them for themselves or to pass them on to someone else.
1: Sure. One is uh, a bold is called the bold and free manifesto, hmm. and I created that because I was reading a book by Dan Allender about uh, about your being able to tell your own story. It's called To Be Told, and he asked a lot of questions in that book, and one of them uh, had to do with a manifesto. And I thought I need to have a writer's manifesto. And uh, so it's kind of fun. My granddaughter is a graphic designer and she put it together for me. And uh, it's all about being bold and God gives us all kinds of permission to be bold and be strong. Mm -hmm. And so it's encouraging. It's just a single uh, printable graphic. And then the other resource is how to climb out of oppression. And oppression is not a word we hear a lot. Uh, about relationships and marriage, but I I learned a long time ago from Beth Moore that one oppressive relationship when we're young uh, from a person who has a lot of influence in our lives can lead to a series of oppressive relationships. We can wind up in a marriage that is oppressive. And maybe uh, no matter what age we are, we could have lived a lifetime so far of oppression, mm. and I created a, it's a 16 page guide. It's not daunting. There are a lot of pictures, mm-hmm. but uh, it's an encouragement on how to recognize toxicity, how to recognize abuse, how to recognize what it is about you that makes you vulnerable to these types of personalities. And then uh, how God will just take your hand and and help you and lead you out of that uh, situation. Oh. We are not stuck. Even if women choose to stay in a marriage like that, you're not stuck to have it be the same marriage.
0: Hmm. That's, that's well said. Uh, as you know, my podcast is about legacy. What legacy do you want to make sure that you pass along to those who know and love you?
1: Well, it would be to never stop striving to know God more and to live authentic lives of vulnerability and transparency without fear. And that sounds like a tall order. But when I first started uh, coming out of this uh, cycle of being in abusive relationships, it was when I found a book. by David Benner and it's just a wonderful book about knowing God and knowing yourself. Hmm. And the more you learn to know God, the more you understand yourself. And the more you understand yourself, the more you're able to learn to know God more and to go deeper with God. And so that's really important. And we can be inauthentic without realizing it. And when I discovered my own inauthenticity my children were already grown. Mm. Uh, that was a big pill to swallow. I thought that it was my duty to be nice. I thought nice was a virtue. Mm. A friend of mine told me it was disgusting mm. uh, in love. But anyway, mm. uh, being nice is fine. But when you are nice at the expense of being honest, that is a problem. Mm. And that's another signal that you might be in an abusive relationship. Mm. Uh, if you're, if you're just saying, oh, that's nice, or that that's fine when it isn't. Uh, well, well, Jillian,
0: I see you um, being so courageous. So I think it's great that um, that you talk about living living free and bold and all that sort of thing because you have to do that. I think the more you do it, probably it comes more second nature now. But you're so soft spoken still. You're one of those people that someone would feel safe with if they were experiencing, uh, abuse. I can see that so much. So, and, uh, and yet all those years, you know, you were going through those things. And I think, uh, I think we as women especially can feel shame and we're not, um, you know, shame is from the pit and we're not pit people. So maybe that's another thing about when we know God deeper, which is his grace, we understand ourselves better. And that is uh, probably the best legacy that anybody could leave anybody, not just only their children. How does your life embody God's welcoming heart?
1: Well, my life right now uh, is nothing like I ever imagined it would be. All of the things I wanted to keep secret for most of my life are the very things that God is using me to share with people Mm. and to encourage people that they don't have to stay stuck And to recognize when they're not being treated well and to know, you know, Sue, uh, there might be people that when they hear bold and free, they might think I'm a feminist, but our boldness comes from the indwelling spirit of Christ and he is our boldness and we need to move over and let him be strong with and for us. And that's been a real struggle for me but I can tell you it's worth the struggle. And uh, we serve a very humble, gentle savior. And uh, so, and a strong savior. Mm.
0: This has been such uh, a blessing. And uh, let's just pray that the one who needs to hear it or the hundreds who need to hear it, will hear it this week. And um, audience, I just want you to pray about who you could share this podcast with. Uh, not so that I'm popular, but so that someone uh, needs may need to uh, reach out to Jillian uh, for help or to get out of a abusive relationship for her own sake and the sake of her family. Um, so I would just like to close in prayer, Jillian. I don't do that often, but for those who are listening right now who might uh, need your help and definitely the Savior's help, Father God, we thank you for Jillian and for protecting her all these many years. Thank you for her wisdom that has come through pain. Thank you for her boldness, Lord, to trust you that her story is um, such a help to other uh, men and women. I pray, Father, that you will bless her and bless those who are listening right now. Maybe there's someone who is even crying because they're thinking, gosh, what can I do next? I pray that they will come to you and find that you are that faithful and loving and gentle shepherd full of power and grace. Lord, we thank you for forgiving us. we uh, for all of our mistakes and how we have not striven to know you better and love our neighbor well. So we thank you for your grace and for the power that you've given us today, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen, thank so, you
0: too. Oh, you're so welcome. And um, for those of you who wanna know more about Jillian, just go to her website, Jillian-Woods.com, is that correct? Thank you so much, God bless you. Until thank next you. time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event, See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.